Welcome to the fifth episode of Front End Happy Hour. I can't believe we've already made it to five episodes. I wanted to take a minute to thank all of our listeners for all the feedback and encouragement we've received. It's great to hear people are enjoying the show, so we will continue to do it. As a front-end developer, one of the most difficult things to deal with is the interview process. In today's episode, we will share our experience and thoughts on the interview process. If you've listened to any of our episodes previously, we like to pick a keyword, and every time that keyword is said, we drink to it. So what's today's keyword? Candidate. Candidate. Awesome. So every time we say the word candidate, we will take a drink. From now on. You don't have to take a drink yet. And also, we encourage our listeners to drink along. I know we have all had a lot of opinions to share on interviewing, but before we do, let's quickly go around the table and give a brief introduction of each of our panelists. Along with the introductions, I'd also like to share the weirdest question I've ever been asked on an interview. I was once asked, what HTML element would you be and why? So I think I would love to hear what everyone would answer that question with. Ryan, you want to start? Who, who are you and uh, what HTML element would you be? I'm Ryan Aplum. I'm a UI engineer at Netflix. And I would probably say I'm a div tag, just because I'm kind of ambiguous, but I'm pretty useful. Nice. <laughs> That's pretty good. That is good. Uh, I'm Brian Holt. I am a junior senior engineer. <laughs> and I, I would definitely be an iframe. Because I would like to be sandboxed from the rest of the world. Only occasionally maliciously reaching out to mess with your dom. Nice. <laughs> I don't want you touching my dom, bro. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch my dom. So my parole officer said. It's true. I'm Jem Young. I'm a senior engineer at Netflix. If I was an element, I would be the blink tag. That's it. <laughs> well, you gotta explain why you'd be the blink tag. It's, it's great. I, I I I wish they hadn't taken it out. Because he's been depreciated. Oh. <laughs> oh. Definitely. <laughs> I'm Sarah. I'm a UI engineer at LinkedIn, and if I were an HTML element, I'd be a definition list because nobody knows what it is or what to do with it, but it's technically and semantically correct. Oh. <laughs> well, I am not prepared for this question. <laughs> Let's just talk about Sarah's uh, sticker on her laptop right now because that is the best sticker I've ever seen. She has the left pad NPM sticker. It is great. It was free. I am Derek Showers. I am a UI engineer at LinkedIn. And if I were an HTML element, I would be a UL tag because um, it's a jumbled mess of shit. <laughs> <laughs> an unordered list. Yeah, not even an ordered list. The unordered no, no, not, I would not go for OL. I don't think I've ever used an OL tag ever. Really, you should. What if you wanted an ordered list of numbers? Yeah, it's a definition list. No, it's always unordered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm Augustus Yoon. Uh, I'm a front-end engineer at Evernote. And if I was an HTML element, I'd be an SVG tag because I personally would not show myself on older browsers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great I answer. I think Augustus. <laughs> and just to be clear, everyone else saw this question before. <laughs> oh, I'm the only Derek didn't, didn't pay attention to Slack beforehand. <laughs> I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a UI engineering manager at Netflix. And if I was an HTML element, 
I would probably say I'd be a button because I think one of my biggest pet peeves is everyone who puts a class button on a div or a span tag, use a button tag, it works better. But you have to strip all of the styles first. Sure, yes. <laughs> and why, Brian? <laughs> I want to hear Brian's response. And he's accessible to everybody. Yay! <laughs> nice. <laughs> makes, that means you're easy. So you have to strip Ooh. him. <laughs> Alright, along with the panels here today, I'm sure everyone has had good and bad experiences with interviews. I know I have, but let's start today's discussion on more of the positive side. What has been the best interview you've ever been on, and what made it so great? Who wants to start it out? I know my, my can't answer should be Netflix was the best interview I ever had. <laughs> it was really good. But my best interview ever was Giphy, uh, based in New York. That was an interview where I walked in, and they're like, we know all about you because we actually looked you up beforehand. So we know your code. We know you can code. So we're going to ask you some, like, general questions, and they're more abstract about, like, how you architect things, rather than, like, insult me with a uh, fizzbuzz question or something like that. And at the end of the interview, they gave me, like, a nice swag bag, and then they brought me back for an on-site. And I met the whole team, we had lunch together, and they asked me, like, do you, like, play softball? Like, what sort of things are you into? And I, like, I felt really part of that team. Ultimately, I had to turn them down for a different offer, but fantastic interview. I, I like, and to this day, even though I turned them down, I still recommend people in New York. I was like, go interview at Giffy. There are good people there. So, like, that's a good point of like interviewing. Like, don't burn your bridges because if you're, everybody you turn down is going to say something either good or bad about you. So, Jim's top tip. Yes. <laughs> I guess I'll I'll do the biased answer and, and say LinkedIn, which is where I work now. Um, I mean, I, I took the the job based on the interview experience, and because um, I had been at Apple at the time, and I had really I was only there for five months and didn't have a huge desire to jump ship all, you know, I only have to be there for five months. But just the interview experience is like it's kind of in the same lines as what you're talking about, Jam, is like a lot of um you know, there's obviously technical questions and uh, you know, a lot of that during the pre screening, but the on site interview was a lot of like grabbing lunch with somebody, grabbing lunch with one of the principal um developers at the time and uh, you know, just chatting about technically related cultural questions. Um and uh, I think that that's very important and something that gets forgotten about in a lot of companies, at least here in Silicon Valley. So, I kind of liked the LinkedIn interview too, especially since you interviewed me. <laughs> <laughs> so Derek was good to you in the yeah. interview. Yeah, he didn't make me feel that bad. I think um, my other favorite one might have been Yelp. Actually, um, they started with a code pen interview, and then they managed to go through um, on my Skype interview just all through like in three questions just completely go over my javascript knowledge of like closures and like map reduce and like all sorts of things it was fun i, I really liked interviewing at evernote but um actually one of the interviews i was really impressed with was um at uber i interviewed at uber once and their tech screen was just like really well thought out and planned uh what they did was they asked me a question that started off small it had like a small task for me to do create something and then it they slowly added more to it. And I started to realize that, like, depending on the route that I went in the beginning, I might have, it might have been more difficult to tackle on the future tasks in the problem. And I could immediately tell that it was, like, one of those kind of problems that really assesses if you're the type of developer that will go back and fix to, like, address the new story or whatever problem that's at hand, or if you're the type of person that just like to hack on things. And I also liked how the interview was just, like, really professional. He didn't give me, like, too many hints. He was just like, hey, you know, 
this is what you have. And he was like kind of, to be frank, like no bullshit. You know, he like, it was very clear what he expected of me, but he also like gave me the stuff that I know, like you could probably just look this up. So I'm just going to give it to you. This is like something that you could use. Like, how would you use it? And it was just like really chill and like super on, super professional. Yeah, I think the one that stands out for me was probably Netflix. Um, it was going to take a lot to get me to move out here in the first place because I was in Wisconsin. We knew we had all our family there. Housing market was really good at the time or, or cheap compared to the Bay Area. But, you know, Netflix was great. We, we came out here. They had me do a solve a UI problem. And you meet with a lot of higher ups in the, in the organization, too, if you make it through the first part of the day. And I thought that was it was pretty cool. I mean, I really appreciated that. So. Actually, I like that about the interview, too, is that you're you're meeting a variety of people. It's not just meeting with engineers doing coding challenges. You're meeting with some designers, and you're meeting with our HR, and there's definitely a variety of people that you meet with, and like a director. Like It's, yeah. it's great, because you actually get to meet different people that aren't doing the same thing that you may be, but you get to meet a wide variety of people. Yeah. I haven't interviewed a terrible amount, and most of them that I've had have been pretty pretty bad. Pretty terrible. Oh, oh no. <laughs> so, so you'll have like good stories to share in the bad section. Oh, I have plenty of bad stories to share. Netflix was pretty good. I mean, despite one part of the interview, which with one particular person that was really awful. Was, was it right angle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just pull up what I said. What? <laughs> the feedback is like, don't hire that guy. Clearly, <laughs> they value your opinion here. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, I did like it. Even Ryan's part. Despite his best efforts, um, <laughs> it was pertinent to what I did. It was difficult enough to show knowledge that I did have. I think there's always flaws in everyone's interview process. I don't think anyone does it well yet. So yeah, I'll, I'll withhold further speaking until we talk about bad stories. <laughs> it's gonna be like the rest of the podcast gonna be a thirty minute rant from Brian. <laughs> Brian Holt rant. <laughs> so I'm sure we've all experience the pre-screen material, basically getting questions or coding challenges before you actually do an on-site interview or even sometimes a phone screen. What are your thoughts on actually doing those coding challenges before you actually interview? What's everyone's experience been like doing them? So I'm still torn on this because I think that the, I feel like it goes kind of anywhere from build an app to maybe like a phone screen with live coding, right? Those are kind of like the two extremes, whereas phone screen with live coding takes a relatively short amount of time building an app takes probably a lot more time uh, my wife sarah who's on the show uh, not too long ago she she uh she's going she was going through the interview process before she she landed at apple but so i was like able to witness a lot of this stuff i think you know it's interesting because i think the building an app is more in line with what we do on a daily basis so i i like that part of it being on a 45 minute phone call and trying to relinquish everything you know is very difficult and it's not Sometimes not a good um, reflection of, of what you know because nerves or whatever. Whereas an app or doing like a code challenge, you have more reflection of what you know, and because you're, it's more in a natural setting, I guess. Yeah, it's it's more indicative of what you're actually do on a day to day basis. Is like you're actually exactly. coding. Like you're able you're to not... look everything up. You're yeah. able to like the flip side of that is do 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 people have time to spend days on building an app for you know for an interview and. and um, for a lot of people, that's, that's not the case. I know that's a big argument. Yeah. Well, and I think I've actually given candidates, you know, different times. Yeah, both it's times we've time. actually said candidates. <laughs> so we've given those tasks for different interviews. And I've always tried to keep it fairly light in the fact that I don't think anyone should have to spend more than two hours actually coding an exercise. I think you can build a good enough exercise to get enough feedback how the candidate does 
uh, to actually tell whether or not uh, that worked or not. I, I don't think you need to be doing like a six to eight hour challenge or days of challenges. That's too much. It is asking way too much that someone's like, that's a full-time job basically doing it one interview. I interviewed with uh, Envision app when I first decided I wanted to be a front-end engineer instead of a full-stack developer. And what they did is they give you a, a little app to build, but they actually pay you to do it. So they pay you oh, for your time. Oh, yeah, so that totally justified that. Yeah, that's real interesting. That's yeah, really justified real. being a candidate for them. But I think I would still have... <laughs> <laughs> I would still have troubles with that in the sense that, Dill, you're probably doing a full-time job. And so even, yeah, you get the added incentive of getting extra money, but you're still having that's a yeah. lot of extra time to and do you that. You can set the you know, how long it's going to take you based on the requirements. You can say, I'll have it in by so-and-so. Okay. Um, they're not, yeah, have it to us the next day or whatever. They're they're really chill about it. I mean, it's pretty <clears> much a token to say, like, we recognize that time's valuable. Yeah, exactly. One of my favorite pre-screens was actually Googly. They did, like, a take-home quiz that was uh, a little bit of coding and a little bit of, like, discussion questions, like, uh, when would you use a CSS animation or a JavaScript animation kind of questions. But they also, once you got to the on-site stage, like they paid for like your fly-out and your hotel and whatever, but they also paid you for freelancing for that time, because it was like a three-day project, which I thought was actually pretty cool. Yeah, actually, actually I was just going to say, when I was in college, Weebly came to our school, and they did like a combination of those two things, where they gave a project to all people who came to the career fair and said, hey, if you build this, we'll pay you some money, and we'll fly you out, and then you get to work for us and freelance for us, so... I thought it was like a really interesting strategy. I know a lot of people tried it. I think the other good thing about that too is that let's say that you're you're interviewing for a company that is using Angular and they want you to know Angular. I think it's cool that like in free screen, like it more because I, I think it's more valuable to have somebody come in that knows that is able to learn a new technology or a new framework or whatever it be than somebody who knows it. Right. That's so a like, really good point. I yeah. wonder what do you guys think about interviewing for a specific framework? I actually think it's the wrong idea. I'd rather see, yeah, I'd rather see someone know JavaScript than necessarily write something in Angular or React. You can learn that. Any, you know, anyone who gets on board on that, but knowing the fundamentals of JavaScript is the most important thing. I'd rather see that than knowing how to write React. Yeah, I completely agree. For one of my interviews here at Netflix, there was a guy that didn't really know vanilla JS, but he knew Angular really well. So he asked if he could do it in Angular. I was like, yeah, sure. And he, it's a simple UI problem that I, I, I give most candidates, but he solved it like five minutes in Angular because all that's there built out. But I didn't want to see him, you know, how good he knew Angular or how easy it is with Angular. And it's an awkward time in the interview where you're like, yeah, I guess that Don't works. That. But <laughs> <laughs> well, then I just tried to have him kind of re-engineer it using yeah. Vanilla JS and yeah. little hints and stuff. But yeah, it was, it was an interesting interview. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the dark side about take-home problems. Yeah. So I have, mm-hmm. I have a really good friend that recently got a job in the front-end community, and he got his take-home problem, and he brought it to me. We sat down, we architected together. I helped him design it out. I did it like I did a huge code review for him. I built an API proxy server for him, like a bunch of stuff that probably he wouldn't have been able to achieve on his own time, but I did it for him because I don't give a flying fuck if they, if they think he's qualified or not. I just want him to get a great paying job, so... I, so okay, similar situation because my my <laughs> wife is is new into the community and obviously it's my vested interest for her to find a good paying job, right? Um, but I think that um, maybe that's a little bit different of a scenario. But I think even in our day to day, we're doing that, right? We're we're like reaching out to others for for help and 
I guess I'm kind of exaggerating the situation. Like, I understand that there's somewhat of an issue there, but that's the issue that everyone brings up. It's like, oh, yeah, can't somebody else do it for you? And obviously that you you, you have to balance it with a, with a real interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think, like, using your resources is, uh, is a good thing. I think asking questions and, like, looking at, hey, can you look at this, uh, like, almost as a pull request. It's like, hey, can you look at this and tell me what I could improve on? I don't think that's bad. Maybe doing someone's yeah. problem might yeah, be a problem, a, but right. it's definitely a line. I mean, <laughs> no, and, and, and you're I, right, though. I got a job. <laughs> and, yeah, you, you don't care. You're helping your friend, and that makes a lot of sense. And so, but I think it's up to the company to also evaluate that, too, is that this exercise or challenge was done really well. We're bringing the candidate on site. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're bringing you're bringing them on site after it, and you have to interview them well to understand if they actually knew what they were solving or if someone else did it. I've but, seen a couple of candidates that we had take home interviews, just amazing code, and then you get them on site. Yeah, something just isn't adding up, and you can tell they probably had a little bit of help with their with their take home. That's the yeah. other thing too. Is sorry, um, but with the take home tests uh, or the take home app or whatever you want to call. It, it's. I think it's cool that if you could then, as an interviewer, it'd be cool if then you bring that candidate in it <laughs> um, and talk about their code that they wrote. Mm-hmm. You know, because a that gets rid of the issue that Ryan brought up. B like they have something that they spent the last however many days or hours on that they're very familiar with. Hopefully, and if they're not, and they should want it. Yeah, yeah. That's well, always the first part of a interview after we hey have a take home. Usually, you have someone go in and go over their code right away. Yeah, so kind of funny story. At Evernote, we do a coding challenge, and we actually had this thing with the candidate. So he turned in this, <laughs> yeah, he turned in this project, and it looked awesome. It had unit tests, it was building Angular, and it looked great. And then I then I noticed he left his Yo RC. It was all generated with Yeoman. And oh my god, like how much of this is legit? And so I had like a huge debate with a bunch of people about it. And we were like, well, you know, he, I guess he has to kind of know what's going on in his application to you know, add the unit tests and stuff, because all the unit tests were right and stuff. So we are like, let's bring them in and stuff. And yeah, it was actually kind of shocking because he didn't turn out as well as we thought, like the coding challenge, that like he just kind of maybe just got nervous or something. But yeah, so I think it's really important that there is like some code, like live coding interview that happens. It's interesting. Like you could you could look at, especially if you required them to, to do some sort of like get workflow you know like right yeah you no, look right. at like how long it took because they're not gonna i, oh, I would assume the normal candidate is, <laughs> you guys are slow tonight, um is not going to think about that kind of thing when they're as long as it's not a hacker rank test oh, God. oh man <laughs> so how big of a issue do you think nerves are in interviews because i know some people that are i've worked with them and they're really strong coders they just have trouble interviewing because nerves gets the best issue. of them yeah it's a huge issue you're also doing something that you're not normally used to doing. You're putting yourself out there and having to explain code that you've written like on the spot. You know people are judging you. It's not a matter of being someone like with your peers that you're like talking through a problem or having something on like a PR that you're like, oh, hey, yeah, you could do this better. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Like you're showing you, you don't feel as guilty. Jem judges me every day. I see him <laughs> look does. over my shoulder really on coding. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone solved that problem. Mm. Um it's it's inherently a confrontational process that you, you're asking people questions and you're expecting them to say something intelligent. And I think that's inherently confrontational. And there are people that don't deal with confrontation. Jem did a great job. I remember when we interviewed Jem, we all had, we all sat down in the room afterwards and we're like, 
what? Why have a beer with him? Let's <laughs> all go drink Thank with you. him. Uh, I mean, and you could argue that being able to deal with like a confrontational situation is a skill that is required for the job. I think it is. I think you're right. I was actually thinking about that, but I think it's also one skill. So like you could be really bad at that one skill and completely blow an interview because that's the one skill. That... I'm not very good at new social interactions. Like as soon as I get to know people, I'm, I'm open up more, but more beer. <laughs> uh, well, actually, that's super interesting because recently we had a candidate who was really, really good at talking, but he just did. What? Oh, oh, what oh. Was that? <laughs> good catch. Um, yeah, he was really, really good at talking. He was able to express his thoughts really well, and he could architect stuff really well. But you could never get him to code, which was really interesting. He would just never want to code. We were like, oh, what, what code would you write? We're like, oh, well, well I would just, you know, this class. The hand wavy. Yeah, the hand wavy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I've, I've interviewed the hand wavy guy. Yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. seen those people. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. React will get it done. Yeah, it's, it's like, don't worry. Uh, exactly. I'm going to pull the hot topic thing or keyword and just say it. And that's but don't worry, I still got hired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now let's move on to maybe the more negative side of some of the interviews. I want to start off by saying, have you ever wanted to walk out of an interview? And, like, what made it so bad that you were just like, I'm out? Has that ever happened to you? Maybe you didn't actually walk out, but felt like it was just not a good interview. Maybe it was that you didn't do well, or you just were like, I don't want to work with these people. Okay, yeah, I got the best story here. <laughs> I, I've been waiting for Brian. This is going to be the Brian Holt half up. Oh, yeah. Great. All right. So, hands down, the worst interview that I ever was being interviewed in. I walked in, I was interviewing for a front end position, and they sat me down and they said, okay, we need you to program. Well, first of all, they had two candidates interviewing at the same time, separated by a curtain. <laughs> what? <laughs> to what? Uh, Oh, oh, they had two uh, candidates. Yeah. So I could hear the other the other guy's interview going on. He was a fresh fresh grad, and they sat us down. They said, "All right, here's your your coding test," and they just handed it to us. And they just handed me a laptop with Eclipse open. <laughs> oh, uh, no. oh no! And they again yep. front end position asked me to program a fellow in Java. <laughs> wow! Wow! Actually, it was like a whole series, but the last thing was Othello. Okay, and Wait, so it's a, a board game. Okay, I thought you were referring to the play, and I was like, Shakespeare? "It's a board yeah, game." Yeah, you, have you have to make the Shakespeare uh, play Othello in Java. <laughs> yeah. Side like, note: that um, if Shakespeare wrote is... JavaScript book, okay. maybe it was Hemingway. Hemingway, Hemingway. Yeah. from Angus. Angus <laughs> good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so I sat down. I got through four of the problems. I couldn't also couldn't use Google, and it had been maybe five years since I'd written Java. So I got through four of the problems successfully. But I got the last problem. I was like, okay, I'm just gonna see the code this shit because I don't know. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way I'm gonna finish Othello in like 20 minutes in Java. So the guy came and was like, well, you didn't do anything. I was like, well, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what did I waste my time here for? Yeah, I was like. Here's the logic, is like if we were doing JavaScript, like the position you want me to do, then this would be great, it'd be done. But you have me do it in Java, you motherfucker. (laughs) So, wait, what happens if, one, a lot of front-end engineers don't know Java? That's a fair statement to say. And another, what happens if you didn't know the game Othello? That's some bullshit explanation for it. I, I don't, so, and I didn't. So, anyway, down the line, like, 
maybe four years later after this interview, I got called by this company again. It's like, hey, do you want to interview? And I was like, yeah, I do want to interview jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> so I go Round in there, two. <laughs> and like this was just like meeting with the, the CEO on a separate note to, for a different position. And he's like, okay, he's like, well, we're like prepared to offer you these kind of things. Like, by the way, it's like, I interviewed with you guys before and you did this, this, and this. And he, the CEO was just mortified. He's like, oh my God, he's like, this, like, this is not even going to happen ever. He's like, no, it's probably not. <laughs> he's like, well, we, we have fixed our interview process if that helps any. I was like, that eh, still doesn't. <laughs> I'm still sore from that. I'm sore from it. So that, I didn't walk out of that. I should have because what the hell? I'm not going to write Java. So fair enough. I'm, when you're going for a front-end position, I don't expect that you should be writing Java. No, I, I had one where the, I walked in, sat down, the senior was the senior engineering manager, so like the guy in charge of all the other engineers. He's like, okay, you know, some JavaScript, like do some basic stuff. It's really easy. Uh, then he's like, yeah, I really hate JavaScript. What a dumb language. And like right there, I'm like, well, <laughs> this is what I'm going to be writing, so if, if you hate it, then what am I doing here? He's like, no, 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 no. You know, you got to use it, right? I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. He's like, can you tell me what this does? And it was, um, what was it? Array plus array. Like just the brackets <laughs> equals what? I forget what Object? it is now. I think it is. True. It might be. I forget. Exactly. Who knows that? I said, well, I don't know because um, I wouldn't ever do this. Like, how is this relevant to anything? But should have walked out there. Didn't. He was watching one too many what? That's a good one. This is this is the problem though, and it happens so often. I don't have a specific story, but it's just the the trivia questions, you know. Um, And I think that uh, I was going to say this before, but I think it's just that it's an easy way to evaluate someone. I guess right, like it's like oh, they didn't know what this. They don't know the low levels of JavaScript. It's like empirical, right? You feel like you can measure that. Like they know this much things. If they answer this, and they got it. Yeah. And it's probably some like some of those things, even like the array equals the array. When are you using that? If you didn't know that, does that mean you're a bad JavaScript engineer? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're we're all going around kind of going, what is that again? Those those questions are easily answered by going to Chrome and open up a fucking console. No, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, but in the interview, do you have the chance to do that, right? You don't actually yeah. have probably the computer or Chrome. I'm just saying, but in the one real could world. find that out in like yeah. ten seconds. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, is oh, and if and you I were if you were dealing with that in your day to day job, you can Google that and Stack Overflow or wherever you want to go to will tell you the answer, and you'll put that in into whatever you're programming, and that's okay. Sure, and I guess I guess it's like if you as a interviewer evaluate the answer as the way the candidate is thinking through it. Um, Thank you, Jim. <laughs> um, then that's different. I think that you know trivia questions are fine if you, as an interviewer, are evaluating how the candidate answers the question. We all say, "What is array plus array?" And we're like, "Oh, what is that?" And we're all trying to figure it out as intelligent human beings and like trying to, even if we don't come up with the right answer, it's just important that I think just looking for that skill that they're able to problem solve that is what's important. Yeah, and there is a balance. I mean, like. Some trivia questions you could consider, like, the whole hoisting questions to be trivia questions, but those are things that you're going to have to deal with almost every day. Like, um, the, I, I don't mind those. I think probably one of my worst interview experiences, though, is I had just gotten this interview through a career fair, and I was, like, purely a design major at this point, but I was like, 
you know, rear in to learn front-end development and get an internship. And I walked into this interview after talking to this guy at a booth, and he was all, like, grilling me on this one project that I built. And so I went back, because I was totally BSing this whole conversation. I went back, and I stayed up the whole night, and I fixed this project. And thought he was going to ask me about it, because in design interviews, they ask you about your portfolio. I walked into this interview. I didn't even know what whiteboard interviews were. And he just sits down. He doesn't even say hi or good morning. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning. And he's just like, so I'm your client. Write me the CSS scroll points API on the whiteboard. And it was just the most ridiculous thing I've ever had to do. And obviously it takes hundreds of lines to do it properly, which is why there are very intense polyfills for this purpose. And at the end, he was just like, so I guess I should introduce myself now. And it was just like, I think he smiled once. And it was when I, like, complimented his uh, new JavaScript uh, engine being faster than Google's. So I've seen that a lot, and it's something that really irks me. And it's something that I work on personally is you get a lot of, like, developer arrogance. Like, oh, oh you should work for us because we're, like, the baddest thing. And I don't have to be nice to you because you're the one coming to me for a job. Rather than, like, it's a dialogue, which way we should be. It's just... Oh yeah, we're a big tech company, and you know we, we don't have to hire. That people. shit. That shit too. bothers me so much. Is that you, as coming in to interview with a company, you're also interviewing them. Do you, do I actually want to work here? And I think that's super important. And even t- times I'll actually talk to a candidate, and I, I typically suggest that ask you know ask us like a lot of good questions and see if you actually want to work here because I think that's super important. I want someone that's going to come in and be very happy with what they're doing and want to be with the company. It's us evaluating them, but they're also evaluating us. It's kind of reverse psychology in a way, too, because it's like if I go into an interview and I don't even introduce myself or say anything, uh, and that candidate <laughs> <laughs> and that candidate still wants to... Stop it! <laughs> and he or she <laughs> still wants to work. For you know the company that I'm working for, that's that's a red flag. You know? I can't imagine walking into an interview and just sitting down and asking a question. I just can't imagine doing that. I uh, so I've worked with enough talent coordinators over over the years, and it, they they get to the final stage, they get to the offer, and then the person turns them down, and they're like baffled, like oh why did they turn us down? Oh, they more money or something like that. But they never actually question. Maybe the interview was terrible. Maybe they got all the way through it because they're just really good. But they decided they didn't want to work for your company because the interview was bad. And no one ever thinks about that. It's always like, oh, it's, it's money, or they wanted like a different language or something. But yeah, it's I think if you have a good recruiting team, though, too, they typically ask those questions. Not not that every you know every person is going to provide that information after an interview, but if you can try and get some of that, it it is good valuable feedback for you and your team to like understand that. Not that every recruiting team is doing that, and not that every candidate will actually share that information. And when a candidate does share that information, I think that's when it's super important, right? Cause it is. Yeah. Normally, candidates will just say, oh, the money. Or oh, I've got a better... God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize plurals so say the word candidate. <laughs> On the topic of like candidates actually evaluating companies, Thank you. there is something to be said for interviews being too easy. I mean, I've had interviews that were just... I got a FizzBuzz question once, and this company ended up making me an offer... And I was just kind of so turned off by the interview being too easy 
to the point where like when they gave me this fizz buzz question they were and i like kind of laughed a little i was like huh i've never actually gotten fizz buzz in an interview and they were just like oh you've seen this before and I was like, yeah, I've seen, I've seen FizzBuzz before. <laughs> just like, shit, after that, it was just like, <laughs> wow. Uh, not a good You interview. were actually turned off from it being too easy of an interview. Too easy. That, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. I mean, yeah. I think that you, you know, going back to the whole being challenged thing, I think it's good to be challenged. Do you need to get everything exactly perfect and solve every answer? you know, exactly the way that the interviewer wants you to. No, I don't I think that's what I think it's like it should be it should be an intelligent conversation. So as we've talked about some of the negative experiences, do you think it's okay as a candidate in an interview to actually walk out of the interview? Is that okay to like or maybe not walk out and just like not say anything, but is it okay if you're not feeling the interview is it okay to say, look, this is just not going to work out? Like, you know at some point that you may not want to work at this place. Is it okay to just kind of stop it at some point and say, thanks for the time, thank you, no hard feelings, I'm gone? Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Honestly, if it isn't, it should be. I really think it's the most professional way because there have been times when I felt like I was wasting their time or they were wasting my time. It just ends up being a waste of everyone's time. So it really should be like the kind of accepted thing that, hey, like, you know, this just isn't going to work out for me. Thanks for taking your time. Um, please walk me out. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you would do. I actually encourage, like, companies to do that. You know, they should just walk out interviewers. They know that aren't going to make it, you know. I think it just, like, saves everyone a bunch of time. Well, and it is. Get... It's a lot of time and effort on <laughs> on both parties. And you get real feedback because that could prompt why, why, like, what, what about this company isn't right for you? Um, and you're never going to get that question or you're never going to get yeah, that feedback. That's actual feedback. Yeah. I think it is something that could be practiced more for anyone interviewing. If you're not feeling a company, it's, it's okay to say, Hey, you know, it's not going to work out. I'm, you know, not seeing myself here and letting them know that it's a lot of effort being there. You've probably taken the day off from work. Why not have the rest of the day to go do something better? Quick privilege check. I mean, not everybody is able to do that. Like we, we do need jobs at some point. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is probably like second or third job advice. Sure, this is not first job. Advice. Yeah, this is not new college <laughs> that, grad. No, that's that's okay. a good point. Is like you do need experience on the resume, and so that can be important. But if it's a, if it's really bad, do you want to work for that company? No. Yeah. If it's my first job, you you, you might yeah, you might do that for the first job. Yeah. 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 Talk about how lucky we are to be front-end engineers at this time because right. we're in a position where we can actually say no to jobs. This is true. I mean. How many people out there are just looking for any job? In- and it's so great because it's such an accessible profession. I mean, like, anybody can teach themselves how to do it. Yeah, you don't actually have to go to school for it necessarily. It's just, you know, and we've talked about this on a previous episode of how to learn and the schooling behind it is that you don't necessarily need that. So, yeah, you could actually learn this. And we are in demand. And maybe, yeah, I like that point is that we're maybe a bit privileged in the sense that we do have those opportunities. And you have the opportunity to say, this isn't the right job for me. I'm going to look for another one. And I know there's a million out there. Yeah, I can use my LinkedIn autoresponder. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> LinkedIn autoresponder yeah. is awesome. Uh, it's uh, funny. When you complain on Twitter from bad recruiter emails, people get it because, you know, it's kind of most people I follow, the people that follow me are all engineers. But if I try to complain on Facebook, it's friends and family. Yeah. Like, screw you. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, on your six-figure job. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. You have people knocking down your door to offer you a job. Boo-hoo. 
Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Switching gears a little bit, I think uh, another interesting, but kind of the same topic is, what if you're a uh, interviewee and you kind of feel the interview isn't going, uh, isn't going well? So, so jumping into kind of bad experiences that did I say candidate? No, you no, just I did it. now. You did now. So tricked him into saying candidate. One, one, one interesting. One interesting experience I had uh, interviewing uh, someone. He told me that you know this interview isn't going well. I, I think we should just stop here. But he, but he, st- he wanted to stop the interview. I, I maybe it was maybe I was just a sucky interviewer. I don't know. But you he, <laughs> At least what he told me was that he just felt like he was inadequate for for the. It was really awkward at that point because it was actually a phone interview too, and uh, he was just like, "This this clearly isn't going well, so let's just end things here." And oh, he basically hung up on me. Hmm. Oh wow! And didn't explain <laughs> oh, no. or anything. No, right. he was just so nervous and so embarrassed, and it really actually wasn't going that poorly. Um, but he yeah. he thought it had. Yeah, don't ever do that. I mean, if it's like if it's like a cultural fit or like you don't like the style of the interview, like walk out. But if it's like you don't think you're good enough, there's always something to learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like yeah. you'll lose a little bit of space, but like. Yeah, I it's think at, yeah, to build on that, I think at that point, it's up to the interviewer to decide that. It's not really up to you to decide, oh, I don't feel adequate. Like, let the interviewer decide that. And then, you know, like for you, like as a candidate, you should be looking if this place is a good culture fit. Do you feel like you're going to grow in this position? And then let the interviewer decide if you're actually qualified for this position. That's yeah, fine. it's perfectly okay to ask the person who's interviewing you, can I have some help or can you mm-hmm. give me some pointers or guidance here? I mean, it's not... That's not a deal breaker for me if someone is stuck on something and they ask for help. No, I actually exactly. like that. That means if you're stuck on a problem in a real world situation, you're not going to sit there and grind on it for a couple of days. You're going to go. You ask a colleague. Yeah. yeah. One to that point, even too, I'd also look to someone to ask feedback. Is like even if you do bomb the interview, ask for feedback how you could do it better. I think that's super important. Is each interview you do is a learning experience, and even if you're not getting the job, I mean that that sucks. It it does. It's hard to hear that. It's a hurt on your ego. It but, is, but yeah. it's like why not ask like for the feedback? What could have I done yeah. better? Where did I fall short? Yeah, and so that you can work oh, on yeah. that. I definitely used something that I learned, and you were my first interview of the onsite, and I I used something you told me in like the fourth interview of that day like it's worth it to stay around there's one company that interviewed don't tell them i said that i asked them feedback and they didn't give you any feedback they didn't give you a yes or no i emailed them four or five times saying just you know give me some feedback i would love to learn from this i would love to grow from this i think very poorly of that company you know i would never recommend anyone interview with them i would never recommend anyone go work for them it's I think part of it, unfortunately, I think part of it is our culture. Like, it's the same reason you can't go to a TGI Fridays and order a burger medium rare. Literally, you can't. Yeah. Why not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm also curious. Because I'm sure they had were hit with some sort of it's lawsuit legal, yeah. at some point. And, you know, and I, I think it's... But I didn't even get a yes or a no. I got nothing. Yeah, like, that's, 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 that's weird. Terrible. Yeah. I think especially if it's a technical thing, is it really that, I mean, as a company, it's not that hard to say. It's like, hey, well you didn't write scalable code or it wasn't very performant and we were looking for that for our, for the job that we're hiring for. And you can always one. give somebody technical feedback. Yeah. Whether yeah. that's the reason or not they've gotten the, they, they didn't get the job. Yeah. Is another story. But well, 
You could also have the like really like genius who's an asshole, and you're like, you I don't could, want but you, you can still find something exactly that to give them feedback on to at least satisfy yeah. that question. So I want to I want to pose the question then is kind of put the the podcast on its head and what can we do to give better interviews, like from the interviewer's perspective. Um, I'll answer my own question that I want to give a bit of a defense on the hard interview that I see a lot on Twitter, people saying, like, this qu- this company asked me this question, it's bullshit, because this is not my day-to-day job. Well, yeah, to be totally honest, a junior to mid-level developer can do my day-to-day job most days. <laughs> like, I'm just writing UI code that, you know, renders out a bit of HTML, does some CSS. That's a total do- totally doable job for most junior developers. But on, like, those hard days when I run into a super hard problem and I have to, you know, dig deep into the internals of node to figure out what's going on that's when it really pays to be a senior developer and i need when i'm interviewing you to show me those kind of skills so that when you run into those kind of problems like those kind of skills are going to come out and that it's not going to be just passed off to some other developer but we're not going to we normally don't hire for senior developers i mean sometimes but like it depends that's, on that's, that's all we hire Wait, i was going to so, say i'm like well Netflix i mean like a senior but don't you don't i mean you have all senior level like no yeah. i don't mean as far as like so there's all there's no, yeah, junior, no junior junior yeah. Most companies you have you have somebody that's coming in that maybe wouldn't be expected to solve the senior level and and I don't know. I don't work at Netflix but mm-hmm. uh, it just seems like there's still a level of like I've you know been here for a little bit of time and like I can I can help kind of solve some of these things that maybe just proprietary stuff that you just don't know as a as somebody coming in. So one thing I think that we could do better uh, to answer Brian's question is um, is maybe like spend some more time in actually collaborating and pair programming with candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a uh, friend of mine interviewed in a job and it was a four hour interview with one developer but it was together they built like a um, credit card processing and validation but it was I'm sure more to it in four hours but you know on a laptop pair programming um, trying to figure something out and building something and uh, I think that's a really good way to evaluate how somebody's thinking and get away from the just real you know, trying to ask trivia or trying to get this, like, very rough uh, evaluation of a candidate. I think that's also good for the person interviewing as well, is that they're able to say, like, hey, would I work with this guy, Derek? He's interviewing me. Would I, inter- or would I like, want to work with him? And, like, could I see us collaborating? I think yeah. that's a cool way to do it. And it's fun. And it's kind of fun, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I think a lot of us are probably, uh, I mean, myself included, is like, four hours I don't have four hours to spend every week or every other week even. You know, I, I, I bitch about 45 minutes sometimes just because I'm taken out of what I'm trying to get accomplished for, for that, for that you know, week. But I think it's, it's valuable, and I think it actually helps you as a developer too. Yeah. As a front-end engineer, how do you feel about getting an algorithm-based question, which is something we don't necessarily deal with on a day-to-day basis? Is it a good question or a bad question? <laughs> I, you know, it's it's not a bad question because if you think of a DOM, it's a big tree, right? It is. And you've got to know the decisions you're making when you're changing CSS or adding and moving DOM nodes or searching DOM nodes. How that's affecting the algorithm behind that, you know, if it's a really deep tree, it's for a senior engineer though. Out. A junior engineer doesn't need to know that. Ever. I don't think they should be mindful Ever? of it. I don't think they need to know that. But I they mean, definitely be when mindful they're a senior engineer, but like. 
No, I, I think I, so. I'm still a junior engineer. <laughs> right, right into but it. Like, there is no junior engineer. <laughs> yeah, you, kind of. But that didn't work so well for you. <laughs> did you hear my introduction? Yeah, you did say that, but you also you also said we don't hire uh, junior engineers. Uh, well, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, Brian. Brian's on you. through that. I'm pretty sure I recommended Brian as a senior junior. Engineer. Yeah, that's all my business card. Well, I think it's something like you definitely should know the concepts and i agree with actually what ryan said there is that there is like the dom is basically a tree and you should understand how to traverse the the dom i think sometimes though i've even personally been in interviews where the interview gets a little carried away with what the algorithm is and it's not so much focused on the dom and it can be a little off-putting to have that as something that you're like oh i don't deal with this on a normal day-to-day basis and even if they don't know how to solve a particular algorithm you know traversing a binary search tree or whatever, as long as they can think about it intelligently and talk about what they're trying to do, that's more than enough for me. I would yeah. much rather interview somebody who, like, went through and, like, checked their stack trace on, like, the Chrome developer tools and told me, like, the big O was, like, O to the second N or something. Well, so, like, <laughs> well, so it's interesting because, like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a junior... De- <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting because I'm... I'm like a junior dev, and I also used to hate like these programming questions, but I've kind of noticed that a lot of them get recycled. So eventually, you start catching on. Um, and like, but I, I kind of agree with what you were saying. Like, it, it as long as you're focusing on like what they're thinking, and you're not holding them to like, hey, you need to solve this like bulletproof point. Like, then right. I, I don't think I don't think it's like a big deal. You hit an excellent point that I always make to people, and it's like you can you can spend time learning algorithms because mm-hmm. they're eventually the same stuff, right? Right, exactly. But but what you should be investing your time on is learning mm-hmm. the actual practical information that you're going to learn, that yeah. you're going to apply when you work. Yeah, because I know like some people will just sit and read like the famous coding interview book and they'll just memorize those and problems. And they'll do well in an that, interview, which is unfortunate. Right, right, yeah. That, and, yeah and, that, and that is like totally like one way of going about it but i don't recommend it like really if you just understand it express your understanding of the problem you don't have to get it fully right they'll right. get it that you figured it out, that you know it you know so i think augustus has has made an extremely good point that i, I like i wanted to make eventually sometime during this podcast which is like right now Brian. right now Please. jesus uh, <laughs> interview processes are just throwing off positive signal like that's the big secret that as an interviewer, you're looking for a negative and positive signal. It's almost impossible to discern negative signal. So that basically all we're looking for is positive signal. They're, they can do this thing. They can do this thing. We're, we're trying to check boxes somewhere so that when the, the you know head of talent comes back and asks us, like, what happened, you can say, here's all the check boxes that they checked. You have to be able to demonstrate your knowledge of whatever you're doing. If it's like for front-end engineering, it's like you have to demonstrate that knowledge. And if you can't, well, that's what we're evaluating in the interview. So as much as you can do, like if you don't know how to answer the algorithm question, just start going through as much as you can, throw off as much positive signal as you possibly can, and like that's your best shot. That's your best chance, and you can still get hired based on that, even if you never even get the answer to the question. Actually, like building on that, like this was like something that like really changed my perspective when I started interviewing, rather than being just an interviewee. Like the interviewer wants you to succeed, right? I don't think I've ever met someone like, oh, I hope this guy fails, right? In general, they want you to succeed. (laughs) Well, now that we've kind of discussed some of the interview process for someone, you know, being on the side of being interviewed, what about when we interview another person? What are some of the things that are 
that you're actually looking for? So first for me, first and foremost, is I'm looking for someone that I'd want to work with. I want to sit next to, I want to pair program with, you know, I want to find someone that's confident, but not arrogant. And that I can just talk to and have a good conversation with and that's knowledgeable, but... Yeah, you don't even have to be besties with them, right? Like, you just have to be able to work with them. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it's a small startup, then yeah, we have to be besties too, but... Because <laughs> you're going to be living together, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so ultimately, what's what's the point of an interview? We're, we're trying to gauge how intelligent they are and how they think. Mm-hmm. And I think you hit that point, uh, Brian, and I guess it's too. Like, we miss that as interviewers. We say... Oh, you need to get this algorithm exactly right. Or, oh, you need to like build this component exactly right. And that's wrong. We need to say, even if they don't know it, could they figure it out if I gave them the problem? Because like 90% of any job is stuff you haven't seen before. So I don't care about what you know already. I care about like how quickly you can learn that. So as an interview, that's what I look for. Like your if thought process. Up, like, exactly. Basically, how can you solve this problem or think through it? I, I actually prefer when they get stumped and they actually have to stop and think rather than like, oh, they code it all out in five minutes. They're done. I'd rather them get stumped and say like, Okay, what can I do here? So, like, what do they do? Do they ask me? Do they think out loud? Do they, like, write some pseudocode and try to figure that out? Like, that tells me so much more than how they just got the problem out just right. And would you, know would you fail them. someone who's interviewing because they didn't answer the question? If they were able to explain it or explain their process. No, I, I, I'm the same way. That's why I asked the question is, yeah, would we not hire someone because they answered? answered the question perfect or is it just thinking through the process i mean there's something to be said like you have to communicate with them like when derek actually asked me my question in my interview like i just kind of was like oh i know this and i started and then he was like well can you talk me through this and so i had to stop and i had to go back through it and i was it was more helpful to me and to him than just like me coding it all out and having a perfect answer right it obviously wasn't perfect but it was good enough. I'm glad you value that experience more than the Ryan Brian's. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I would add to this, too, is the ability to accept feedback. And, you know, both ways, I'm sure. But, like, you know, it's I've, I've interviewed some people and just, you know, it's clearly just not right. And that's fine. But when, when we try to, like, talk through it, it's kind of like, and, you know, I, I'm not saying that I have all the answers as the interviewer. But I do think that there's a level of, like, as the interviewee, like... I think what happens a lot is uh, some interviewees get very defensive and they don't want you to think that. <laughs> Why are you looking Because you're saying the word interviewee. Is that <laughs> another word? Clearly a candidate. Candidate. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I think that, I think it's some natural for some people to to gravitate towards being defensive in a way of like, oh, you know, if I admit that I'm wrong, then I'm failing at this interview. Because you know they're going to do that on your first PR, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you make a PR and you say, no, this is wrong. Yeah, it's like, no, it's just fuck about... you. This is the way it's supposed to be. And, and there's a difference. Like, they can tell me I'm wrong because yeah. I ask them a question. I, they're doing a great job. But if I say, well, why did you make that decision? And they get defensive and that's just the way I'm doing it. Exactly. I'm going to pass on you regardless of how smart you are. Yeah. Right, because I think in our day-to-day, we're, we ask each other questions and challenge it. And even if we're wrong for challenging it, right. walking through the explanation is more valuable than just saying, oh, yeah, that's perfect, and that's okay, yeah. and, like, ship it. it. It's like asking those questions yeah, is super sure. important. It all goes back to what Ryan said about, would you work with this person? And yeah. would I want to work with somebody who I could never give feedback to? Absolutely not. What kind of questions should an interviewee ask the interviewer? What are some things that you look for in, like, value as a question? Uh, my My go-to is... 
how long have you been here, and why are you still here? That tells me so much. You've been here three years. Why? Because the company's great. Like, because you're I, I, so this. Uh, this reminds me of a bad interview. I asked the guy. I said, "Oh, why have you been here three years?" He's like, "Well, you know, interviewing's hard, and you know, this is a good company, and you know, I, I like I know the code base." And I was like, "This is I'm not going to work here." I I, I turned down the offer because wow. of that question. Because yeah. yeah. why would I want to work with someone who's not passionate? Like they're only right. there because oh, yeah. interviewing's hard, and mm-hmm. they don't want to like try something new. Like, that's terrible. I so think we really missed that when we were talking about what we look for is passion. That's another thing that's. You know, yes. Huge. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I guess we all kind of assume because you know we're here after work talking about this. But yeah. That's not true of it. I'm, I'm passionate about beer, actually. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Love. Brian's here <laughs> for beer. Oh. Actually, off of what Jem said, uh, I have two go-to which are extremely similar. Um, my go-tos are: How did you get here? Like, how did you get to this position? Whether it be like from another position or something, and then also like. What is one thing you hate about this company? And I always, it's always awkward because I have to clarify, like, I'm not trying to get you to bash on them or something. Just, just want to know what's, what you, what you don't like about the company. And you get kind of a sense of like what the culture is like. Cause a lot of things do come out when they say that they're like, well, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, depending on, depending see. on what day they are, like, I've had some interviewers who had like rough days, like, wow. Yeah. There's just a lot. It's like, it's super stressful here and stuff. It's like, oh, wow, jeez, I don't know if I want to work here. So, like, one of the questions that I try to ask whenever I'm talking to, like, a higher-up is, what are the challenges you see in the next five years versus the next ten years versus now? <laughs> like, it, it really gives you a perspective on, like, what they have um, in stock for the next, like, going mm-hmm. forward. They're looking to the future. Sometimes I think it's good to ask as an interview, as a candidate, um, is kind of a, how did I do? I know that kind of puts the interview on the spot, interviewer on the spot, but I also think it gives you the ability to, you know, maybe gain perspective on what they thought. Um, maybe you don't say it like that. How how did I do? <laughs> but where could um, you see me? Yeah, you know, how do I how do I fit into like what you're looking for as an ideal candidate? Is probably the more politically correct way of saying it. Because then you can kind of see what maybe they got a, a wrong idea, you know, and it's your chance um, as a candidate to change that so, so uh speaking of like good feedback that's a good segue into my shower thought for the day oh. and hashtag shower thought hashtag personal brand i was thinking not enough people think about interviews in terms of sometimes it's just luck sometimes interview you could be the smartest person in the world and fail an interview because this person's looking for a specific answer to this specific question and you just don't know it. I'm not and exactly. And not enough people think about that. And they get dejected. They're like, oh, I'm not smart enough to work at Netflix or LinkedIn or Apple yeah. or wherever. And it's not true. Maybe it is true. I don't know. No offense to people out there. But sometimes just luck. You get the wrong person on the wrong day. Yeah. You get the right person on the right day. And not to say it like make excuses for people not getting through interviews. But sometimes you just have to factor that in. Just be like, you know what? I know I'm smart. I know I answered a question. I still didn't get it just because some arbitrary yeah, raise your hand if you feel lucky that you know you've never felt lucky that you made it through the interview right I, oh yeah oh, oh yeah. definitely all everybody everybody, everybody, everybody job I've had Ryan, Ryan Ryan is absolutely and absolutely don't, don't beat yourself <laughs> up i mean like companies absolutely love the success stories that come in like they failed the first time they come in and they've improved the second time and they're like wow we need to hire this person because they made progress we've actually uh at netflix have given feedback on things that we'd like to see for like we're like, hey, it's not a no, or it's a no for now, but it's a no, like, not forever. It's like, we want to see these things that we want to improve on, and this is what we're looking for. And we've definitely had candidates come in 
for the second time. Right, we said, please reapply in X amount of months. Yeah, we did. Yeah, same, we did the same thing in LinkedIn. It's exactly the same. You know, I mean, it's, if it's you great. say no forever, if, if, and there's a problem with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If, that, if, that, if you have that candidate that wants, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that wants to come back in six months, that shows passion. Yeah, and definitely. That's, and that's, and uh, the ability and the ability to take the feedback. I think mm-hmm. that's super important. That says a lot to me is like, yeah, you weren't the right fit right now, but to take my feedback and be yeah. able like, hey, I'm going to act on this and then come back and interview again. That's amazing. You know, like, Brian Holt and get the job and just start cruising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else is impressive about one. <laughs> uh, feedback is, have you ever, do you guys talk after like, or I don't know how your interview process is at Netflix, but at LinkedIn kind of like, especially if we're on the same team, kind of like talk to each other. We're supposed <laughs> to put it into a system. Though, you know? But um, one of the things that I think is really impressive is when you, when you talk to somebody and you're like, Oh yeah, like they got this wrong, and I told them this, and they were like, "Oh, okay." And then, and then they specifically answered it a different way, like that same problem or that same you know, thing. And, and I think that's oh, awesome. That's like right so away, like they've, they've like, grasped it throughout the interviews, and they've changed the way that they've like, yeah, they've that's awesome. That yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or that's actually something I really like. Actually, at Evernote too, like when we do those kind of discussions, we will like talk about a candidate, and if we don't, and if we felt like they were really smart, we just didn't like get the right things like we actually will fight to see if they will fit in another position at the company yeah, or awesome. the, yeah that's or the recruit really the recruiting company will just follow up with them that's really cool um so i want to get my, my grand concluding thoughts to interviews and then, I'm and then we're done with the episode <laughs> no no right in the no you have like you, you have like six picks so don't leave <laughs> 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 <It's five>. jesus <laughs> um is this gonna be a religious podcast it is. Jesus. <laughs> um we all suck at interviewing. Like, we suck at giving interviews, and we suck at, like, being interviewed, right? Like, no one's figured it out yet. As far as I know, um, if, if you have, let me know, because obviously I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but we're all looking for particular things. We're all looking to give particular answers, and no one's really figured it out yet. And just like Jim said, like, it's just luck on the given day that someone answers the question that you're looking in a particular way that you're looking. And so my advice to people at interviewing is, like, cast a wide net, give them as much opportunity to give you as much positive signal as possible. And, again, to interviewees or candidates. <laughs> End it with one good <laughs> Like, throw off as much positive signal as possible. Again, be, be totally honest, because you don't want to get a job on false pretenses, right? You want to give them as much honest, positive signal as you possibly can. And then just, hopefully, that on that day, it meets up in a proper way. Says the man who... Did his friend's coding interview. Oh, yeah. No. Well, I mean, that's Don't listen fault. to Brian. Yeah. But also, that his I'm friend his friend still got the job. It still that's went true. in. And, and he's kicking ass out of yeah, it. Yeah. Right? Like, so, so, I mean, like, it was their fault for having a shitty interview. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's about time to wrap up today's episode. Let's go through our picks. Augustus, what are your picks for this episode? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, I chose. A mass drop, for those of you who don't know what that is, a bunch of people vote on something that they want, and then the company, like, sends it to a warehouse, and it's, like, mass ordering. Like, it's, like, you could, like and you get it for, like, a really good deal because so many people ordered the item. So it's really good for, like, mechanical key- keyboards or, like, tech stuff. Also, this other one is um, Elevator Saga. It's this thing I found on GitHub where basically they have, like, this simple elevator API and all these, like, little levels, and you, like, just use their API to make the most optimized elevator. I think it's, like, a really good way to, like, kind of get into the mindset of using an API and preparing for interviews. For my music of the day, uh, I heard this one today. It's called Pretty Thoughts by Alina Baraz and Gal- Galamad- 
tears? <laughs> Something like that. It's a good awesome. song. Really chill. Derek, what do you have for us this episode? So, um, the first one is something I was playing around, uh, working with a couple of personal projects. It's called Code Climate. I don't know if any of you have heard of it, but it's, um, it's pretty cool. You can, you can hook it up if you have, if you're doing something open source, it's free and it actually will check your code. Uh, so it's kind of like it, it does ESLint. It does all kinds of other stuff too. It checks for code duplication. You can actually set that all in like a YAML file, but, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. And uh, I found it, Ember actually uses it. Um, but, um, it's a good way to kind of get some feedback, trying to kind of see your code quality. And then the second one is Slack themes. So, uh, Brian Burgess and I were talking about this, uh, uh, theme, the front end happy hour Slack channel that we have. And, uh, uh basically it's just, just six different, uh, hex colors. And, and, um, there's this website, Slack themes. Dot, um, I think it's dot org. Dot net. Oh, dot net. Close, yeah. But uh, they basically have a, you can just uh, send them a pull request and then they have a bunch of different themes. They have one for Netflix, they have one for um, Slack.com and a bunch of stuff. So, because I'm too lazy to go in and try to, oh, I did it for Front End Happy Hour. I was, I was going to say, Derek did actually yeah. submit a pull request for the Front End Happy Hour. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's pending right now. But um, if you're too lazy to go in and pick a theme, there's a whole bunch of themes in there. So that's pretty cool. Which I just learned about that when you told me about that yesterday. That's awesome. And yeah. what's also cool is if you do it on desktop, it'll... Uh, automatically go over to your your, um, your phone. Your phone. Or your phone. Very cool. cool. Yeah. That is really cool. Right. Sarah, what are your picks for this uh, episode? So my music pick for this episode is Lindsay Sterling, who you may not have heard of. You may have heard of her. She's kind of famous. She does electronic, violin, hip-hop only things, and it's great to code to. Awesome. Um, yeah, she's uh, pretty chill, and Brian went to college with her, apparently. Cause That's true. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and my other pick is, um, a little program that I actually paid money for. It's, uh, called Size Up. It's a window management solution for OS X. Or, and, like, it just provides keyboard shortcuts for, um, like, cinching windows to one side, like, half your screen, a quarter of your screen, and it, like, keeps track of all the time you save. So, like, apparently I've saved over 40 minutes just... Since I started at LinkedIn, moving fin- windows around, I like that's cool. That's really yeah, cool. That's cool. All right, Jim, what do you have for us for this episode? Let's see, music pick. My music pick is Aphex Swift. It is a mashup of Aphex Twin, one of my favorite artists, and Taylor Swift. And yeah, I'd actually never cool. heard Taylor Swift before this. Yeah. And I heard the songs. I was like, wow, this is really good. She's a talented artist. Um, and it's like fantastic. You, you did wear yeah. a, I Ryan, love. Ryan Anglum has a I love Taylor Swift shirt. I saw that. It's pretty badass. Yeah. I, I, I do not wear it ironically. Actually. I wear it probably. Mine is like based off of a song from like a rock band. It's called I Love Taylor Swift. Ryan's is because he loves Taylor Swift. That's, <laughs> that's like plain and simple. Pretty much. That's what I, I yeah. love Taylor Swift. It's great. But you guys check it out. It's really, really good. Uh, second pick is Empire Jazz. I'll be speaking there in May. And it's in New York, and I will be speaking on Transpilers. Nice. So, That'll be a good talk. I, I will be there. I will yes. actually be there. Ryan, you me. can meet the famous Ryan D. Burgess or Burgess D. Ryan. I don't think I'm famous, but thanks. You will be after this. <laughs> and my last pick is NetflixMenus.com. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why our menu is open to the public, but you can hey, see you can see what we have for lunch every day. I don't know why you would. But... Jim wants her can we do a contest? Bonus. If you accurately pick what any of us are going to eat in a specific day, 
we'll give you something with engine stickers or, or something. T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. stuff. Derek I think it's carbs. Good. Yeah, so <laughs> if you can go to NetflixMenus.com and either tweet at Jem Young or Brian Holt or Bridger Street Ryan or Ryan D. Burgess, if you can pick. Ryan. Oh yeah, Burgess D. Ryan. Yeah, we don't use it. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> if you can accurately pick what we're gonna eat, we'll send you something. I don't know what, but it'll be something. Something good. You my personal stickers. I would one of Brian Holt's personal stickers. Dude, they're nice. I would say that you could do that on the LinkedIn menus, but there's so much more options that it's kind of hard. Yeah, LinkedIn does feed better. That's all right. We feed bigger. Bigger. We have to. We have to feed all of our non. We have to feed all of our non-senior web devs and juniors. Wait, you feed your juniors? Yeah. Oh man. All right, let's move past that. <laughs> Brian, what do you have for us this uh, episode? Uh, so my first two picks are pretty related. Uh, one of them is AdHack, which is a hackathon um, to end human trafficking, which I think is pretty amazing. Really cool. Um, and then the second one is Annie Cannons, which is a developer's school that they... Um, it's a charity on top of that. 501c3, is that right? That does it for survivors of human trafficking. So just super, super incredible, impressive people. Uh, the CTO is Eshigal Yanet, who is just one of my personal heroes. Um, so definitely go and support both of those. You should attend the hackathon, and you should donate to Annie Cannons. They're both really, really cool things. Um, I will be personally there at the, the hackathon, so if you want to come hang out with me, I'll be there. <laughs> Very cool. Um, and then I'm I'm just uh, M83. Yeah, M83. They just released a new album this week. Um, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I would definitely suggest you go out and listen to it. And then what hit huge on Reddit this week was Scroobius Pip, um, which is one an amazing name for uh, a rapper, and two super awesome. He re- he released a song on YouTube called No Nimbus, which he raps over Grimes, who's another one of my favorite artists, and it's it's pretty awesome. So you should check. I'm actually really excited to see, like, listen to that. It's so <laughs> be good. good. It's so good. Ryan, what do you have for us this uh, uh, episode? The first one I have is the Escape app for OS X. It tracks your interruptions throughout the day. So if you go to Slack or email, it'll kind of track that and see how many times you've been interrupted by the specific application. And it'll actually tell you how long or how many how long your interval is that you're able to stay focused before you got interrupted by one of these applications. And it's, it's pretty eye-opening. Uh, it'll give you a daily report at the end of the day, and it's, it's amazing how many just tiny little interruptions you get from your day just based from Slack or email. Did you get one for your manager interrupting you? <laughs> no, I don't have a specific one for that. Filter. But, um, <laughs> the second one is the, the best of old-time radio, and it's a podcast... <laughs> And they just replay old podcasts and it's or old radio shows from you know the fifties, sixties. It's just really entertaining just to see the, the the live stories they would tell on the radio and things like that. The fireside chats. Oh, I mean, it's like an old story, like War of the Worlds. They'll rebroadcast that. Um, it's really cool. They'll give you the original recording. You can hear all the commercials and just how much has changed. And it's it's really interesting. Stupid random facts. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, War of the Worlds, <laughs> when it was broadcast originally, people didn't understand. It was they were telling a story they thought it was a news brief. So there's actually like mass panic and yeah. riots because <laughs> people actually thought aliens were invading because yeah. like that's what was on the radio at the time. 
And wow. If you listen to old, the, the old time radio podcast, I think it's on there. And it's, you could see why people would think that if they weren't, you know, privy to that it was actually a story. Um, the second one, my, my musical pick is actually, uh, Dusty Kid, Beyond the, Beyond That Hill. It's an album, um, it's not really EDM, it's kind of chill, but it's a really good, to quote out, code to. There's not a lot of lyrics, it's a lot of really good beats. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I guess to wrap up everything for my, uh, picks this week, I've chosen the Aerial Screensaver, which is actually someone had ripped out of, uh, the, if anyone has the new Apple TV, there's this really nice aerial uh, screensaver that shows like San Francisco, uh, London, uh, New York, quite a few c- uh, cities around the world, uh, and have this beautiful uh, aerial scene that's moving. It's really great. Jem uh, was at my desk the other day, and he's like, what the hell is this? This is super cool. And I was like, hey, yeah, it's the Apple TV uh, screensaver, but someone ripped it out and has actually made it for your laptop, desktop, whatever you want. And so... Definitely check that out. It's an aerial screensaver for your laptop. Really um, cool too if you have two monitors because it actually oh. it actually you can set it to the same, but it'll do multiple do multiple ones. So the there's there's people at Netflix that I'll walk by and they have like three or four monitors, and I'm like, whoa, they've got like all the different ones yeah. going. Super cool to see. It's uh, awesome. Such a beautiful screensaver. Uh, then my second pick is the Amazon Dash button. Uh, I think it's amazing. Uh, these like little buttons will just order whatever you like whatever you've set it to order and the kind of cool thing about it is they don't really cost any money is they're they're five dollars and you actually get five dollars off your next purchase so they're really cool and i've also seen some people hack some really cool things out of it as well third and final pick is since everyone's talking about music and we've shared a lot of great music picks uh we've actually put together a fun and happy hour playlist on spotify so check that out I listened to it today. Was it good? Yeah. Awesome. And uh, we'll add all these new picks to it as well. That's it for today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH. Tweet at us with some of your interview experiences, good or bad. We'd love to hear about them. Mostly bad.